You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And here he is, having the time of his life. Welcome back to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. We will continue our team-by-team WHL team previews this week here on the show. And we're going to spend a lot of time with the U.S. division this week. We've already done the Everett Silver Tips, but we're going to start this week's episode off with the Tri-City Americans and a general manager, Bob Torrey, who's been on the show several times, is back on the Pipeline Show. Welcome back, Bob. How's summer? Real good, thank you. Uh, didn't have the smoke that we had last year, so yeah. So it was a nice summer for all of us. I know we're going to get to the team, obviously, but there's some uh, rink improvements or additions to the rink here the, since last season too, right, for fans? Yeah, there's a new ice plant that went in, which was a, a major expense for the city. They, what they did is they took the ice plant out of the, uh, our building and built a separate building outside. So the ammonia plant is outside the building and that's obviously much better for safety, especially after the tragedy that ha- occurred in Fernie and, mm. and, um, we're getting, uh, new netting behind the nets, uh, new glass and, uh, new video boards. So that's a lot of new stuff, uh, in one short t- period of time. So real big thank you to the city of Kennewick for stepping up and doing a lot of work uh, in a short period of time, getting a lot, a lot of things done. Well, that's great to hear. I know that there was a, um, a drive to get a new building, and if you couldn't get the new building, at least uh, some big-time improvements uh, that are coming, and uh, that'll benefit everybody. Um, let's get to the team, uh, and uh, camp is underway for Tri-City. You just wrapped up your uh, rookie portion of it, and you get to main camp here uh, at as uh, this week unfolds, by the time this comes out, will it will likely be uh, Friday. So uh, we're talking in the past now. But uh, <laughs> looking at last year's roster and the players who aren't back from the team uh, that you had in the playoffs last year, uh, obviously every team loses the three overage players. For you, that's Aaron Hyman uh, on the back end, as well as Nolan Yeremko and Parker Acoin up front. Who else from last year's uh, playoff roster is not returning this year? Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's... Uh just the overage guys uh you know everyone else is back so um you know those our overages were strong last year and they'll be strong again this year and that's uh kind of the key to our team right now as we keep moving forward well that really doesn't happen very often where you don't lose a whole lot from last year other than the overage players uh and i know you've brought in an extra over overage guy as well carson sasta from the uh, Red Deer Rebels last year, you've brought him in. And right now, correct me if I'm wrong, you've got five overage guys in camp, right? Yeah, we have five. A uh, couple scenarios there. Dominic Schmeeman had uh, shoulder surgery in the offseason, so we're not sure when when he'll return and uh, be cleared to play. It should be sometime early October. And, and then uh, Christoph Arabic is going to the St. Louis Blues camp, so we're not sure uh, when he'll be back. So, uh that was the rationale of picking up Sass because he's a quality player that's capable of playing in the league just to give us some insurance, mm-hmm. uh, depending on the return dates of Schmeeman and Haravik. All right. Well, assuming all five guys, say, in mid-October are going to be around and you got to make that decision usually by October 10th unless there's injuries uh, that come into play. But um, you've got two overage guys up front, two overage on the blue line, and Beck Warm in net. Do you see it as you're going to end up with one forward, one D, and one goalie, or could you see yourself having two overage forwards or two overage defensemen? Oh, certainly. That's no question. We'll carry the best three, and, and uh, certainly that's the strength of our team uh, is the overage situation. And, and 
you know, we'll let that play itself out. Like I said, uh, we've got to make sure Schmeeman's healthy. And, mm-hmm. you know, we get two weeks after he returns uh, to make a decision. And same thing with Christopher Har- Harabic. You get two weeks after he comes back from pro camp, if he does come back, uh, to make a decision on uh, on that. So the, the deadline might be extended a little bit, just depending on the dates of those guys. But, uh, like, right now we have five quality guys. Obviously, uh, we feel that they're all uh, – very, very strong players. Kyle Olson's our captain. Harabic is a big, big man. Schmeeman had a great season with us last year, and Sass is a quality WHL player, and Beck Warm may arguably be one of the top goalies in the Western Hockey League. So uh, it's a good situation to be in. Good problem to have. That's right. Um, when it comes to the uh, imports player situation, as you mentioned, Christoph Harabic will be going to NHL camp. So some uncertainty whether, uh, if or when he'll be back. Um, and you went out and signed, uh, or uh, you drafted a couple of uh, new import players. Where are you uh, with them? Are they both in camp? Yeah, they're both in camp. They're both here. They're, you know, Jan Sickart is a 2002 17-year-old, played uh, with the Czech Republic uh, on all their international teams. Uh, highly projected high for the NHL draft next year. Six foot three, 185-pound winger. Uh, led most of his teams in scoring uh, traditionally with the Czech Republic. And David Omola who you might have seen at the Halinka in Edmonton uh, defenseman from the Czech Republic as well that played for the Czech Republic team in Edmonton at the Halinka Cup. They're both here and uh, both look very, they're playing very well. So one forward and one D, was that by design? They're also both uh, from the same country. Was that done on purpose as well? Not necessarily. You know, the import draft is not a pure draft as we call it. It's uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of moving parts involved. Obviously we wanted to add a forward because, uh, we wanted to add some off, some more offense to our team and uh, the opportunity to, you know, when you get into your second pick with the import draft, it becomes pretty tricky on, you know, you want to get a guy that can play and that's going to come. So there's a lot of research there. And, you know, if, if Harabic comes back, then there's only going to be room for two. So one of those guys, someone in the league is going to get a free player for all the work I put in. That's right. Bob Torrey, the GM of the Tri-State Americans uh, and uh, part owner of the Americans as well. He's my guest right now as we uh, preview the coming season for uh, Tri-City. Uh, let's go uh, position by position with the guys who are still in camp. Uh, how many goaltenders do you have uh, this week? Well, we have four, but we'll be down to three after the after the, this week before we go to Everett. Um, three goalies will be Beck Warm, obviously, who's who after Everett will be going to Washington Capitals camp on a free agent tryout. And then Talon Boyko, who was a 16-year-old last year with us, and Mason Dunsford, uh, who's a signed 16-year-old goalie this year. So uh, the battle will be, be between Dunsford and Boyko for that backup position because I don't think they're going to upset uh, upseat Warm. Okay, and so that means Warm obviously would take one of those 20-year-old positions as well. And coming into a, a, his overage season, as you mentioned, uh, high expectations for what Warm can do for you in that, and, and he's already done it to this extent in his career, but uh, a 20-year-old overage goaltender, uh, you expect to, to be one of the top goalies in the league. Yeah, and I've had 20-year-old goalies in the past. That's not unusual. Some teams don't like to use a 20-year-old spot on that position, but Beck was our MVP last year, and besides that, uh, his brother Will played in Edmonton. You'd be familiar with the Warm family. Yes. Uh, they're just first-class people. He's a leader on and off the ice and just a wonderful uh Wonderful gentleman and wonderful kid to have around our team. Uh, um, like I said, uh, I can't say enough about that family. They're, they're first class all the way. 
Well, and certainly a blessing when a team can return uh, its entire defensive core outside of Aaron Hyman, who uh, obviously leaves as a, a 98 born last year. But bringing everybody else back, plus adding the new import player, plus adding Carson Sass, uh, you're pretty thick right now uh, on the uh, on the blue line, aren't you? Yeah, we were young last year on the blue line, and that's why we added Hyman at the end, and, and we went with a lot of young kids, and you know it it will be determined whether the two one or two of the overages stick, you know, with Schmeman and Sass. But uh, we've got Sam Stewart, Brian McAndrews, Mitchell Brown, Tom Cadu, and Jared Newell back, and then you add uh, Mark Lajoie, who. Edmonton people would be familiar with. He was our first round pick. You know, he'll, he certainly played for us in the playoffs. He'll be here. And we have Ian Ferguson signed out of Dallas who, who should make our team. And like you mentioned, you had Hamola in there. And then, uh, Edmonton people would be familiar with Jaden Platts, who's in camp with us right now. Yeah. Uh, who played for the Oil Kings and Kyle Powell, 19 year old defenseman who played for Kelowna last year's in camp. So there's going to be some battles on the blue line for those six, seven or eight spots. And uh, that's the way you want it. We want our vets to to realize that they've got to step up. And uh, the the free agent guys like Platts and Powell, um, this is kind of their last kick at the can. So uh, they both look good in camp. And and like I said, uh, you know, we have David Homola who might get caught in a numbers game on the import situation. But certainly we expect uh, Lejoie and Ferguson to make our club as rookies. Well, and Lejoie was a fairly high pick for you a couple of years ago and uh, a big body, a young guy, but a big guy at 6'4". Um, wh- what does he bring to the to the organization and uh, high expectations for a guy taking that high? Yeah, he moves really well for a big man. Uh, hockey IQ is outstanding, obviously. Serge, his dad's a longtime coach and player. And uh, and above that is character and leadership. I mean, he's a humble, humble, hardworking kid that uh, is very proud but uh, is a team player first and, and uh, a real leader. Um, you know, at 16, we don't expect him to provide leadership, but, uh, you know, when he's 17, 18, he'll become one of our, our leaders and, and uh, he's going to be a special player in this league. It's 6'4 and 220 is what the WHL website lists him at. That's ridiculous for a 16-year-old. Uh, when I'm looking at the rest of the roster on the blue line, nobody's under six feet, at least on the WHL website. So you got a lot of a lot of size on the back end. Is that by yeah, design? Yeah, the big that, blue line. I yeah. guess Cadu uh, might be under six, you know, just right there. And who's a who's a 16-year-old D-man for us last year, Tommy Cadu, skilled player. And David Hamola would be just under six feet. And okay. Sam Stewart, Sam Stewart uh, who was a rookie as an 18-year-old last year, would be around six feet. But the rest of the guys are big men, Platts, Brown, Powell, McAndrews, Lajoie, uh, Newell, um, our back end is big, but it's fairly mobile, and, and uh, uh, I think a year of experience for a lot of those guys are gonna you're gonna see some big improvement in some of those kids. Now, is that something you you, you want a big blue line all the time, or just happen to work out that the guys you have right now happen well, to have some? Not necessarily. I mean, you want the best players you can possibly get. I mean, when people talk about the game going to speed and skill, it certainly is, but some of the speed is puck movement, and uh, if you've got speed and skill and size. It, it's still better than speed and skill and small. Now, a lot of times you can't, some of the big guys don't have speed and skill, so that doesn't work. So you're better off with, you know, obviously skilled, you want skilled players that can, that can process the game and play well. But if, uh, if they can do that and have size as well and, and are, are, can shut down the uh, attack, then that's even a bonus. 
Uh, all right, let's move to the forward position now, Bob. And one of the guys who uh, actually isn't back from last year's playoff team is Riley Sachuk, who uh, now the, is uh, with the Edmonton Oil Kings. But you talked about that depth that you have up front, and, and certainly at the overage uh, uh, quota, that uh, you can you can move on from a player uh, of uh, Sachuk's ability and, and still have lots of returning players uh, of note. Who becomes your 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 leadership core up front uh, with the uh, departures of Yaremchuk and, and O'Coin and Sachuk? Well, obviously Olson's our captain, and and you know he'll be the key catalyst as a twenty year old. And Edmonton's getting a real quality player in Riley Sawchuk. He's fifty point guy, and and uh, just was in a numbers game. I wanted to do something early for Riley, and it was a, a fair deal for both teams. And I see there's a lot of extra overages in the league right now, so I'm glad we were able to do the deal quickly, so Riley could go right to Edmonton instead of coming here and then being moved. So. You know, that, uh, like I said, the strength of our roster is our three overages as it was last year, and that's a good thing. You know, my goal is to always have homegrown overages so you're not having to go out and pay for them. Right. But uh, it doesn't always work that way, but certainly uh, it saves you giving up draft picks and it and it provides uh, solid leadership because those guys have generally been with you for three, four years, and they, they know your culture. When players leave, that provides opportunity for others, and, and you probably had some guys who were on the third or fourth line last year who will maybe now move up to the second and third line uh, this season. Who who comes to mind when I describe it like that? Well, there's lots of guys. You know, you look at Sasha Mutala, who was a key player for us last year, drafted by Colorado. He's going to be uh, obviously uh, a key player for us this year, probably move from the second power play to the first power play. and. You know, Sam Huell, who we picked up from Seattle last year, has looked really good in camp. And, um, you know, uh, there's going to be opportunity. I think there'll be movement up and down the lineup for guys as they compete for ice time. And then you have the the uh, 16-year-olds, the guys, the young guys coming to camp and, and knocking on the door to, to force their way onto the roster. Uh, I imagine there are two or three guys who'll get extended looks. Yeah, Tyson Greenway from St. Albert and Parker Bell from the Nimo have both looked awesome in camp and I, I would think it's going to be hard to keep them off the off the team greenway uh had a really good summer with his fitness and has looked really good in training camp as is parker bell who's growing is up to six foot four now um those two guys are certainly knocking on the door and and i would expect them both to make our hockey club and you just signed uh, a player as well a couple of days ago i saw the pictures on, on twitter uh landon roberts yeah, Landon's a big kid out of Sirius, Manitoba, played for Southwest Cougars. Uh, he was a sixth-round draft pick for us in uh, 2017. He's just continued to develop, uh, came to camp in great shape, and, uh, you know, we're happy to add him. He had a real good training camp. He's an honor student and, and uh, brings a lot of character. He was captain of Team Manitoba at the U-16s, and uh, we're excited to, to obviously to add him to our to our team. Bob, you mentioned a couple of the uh, camp invites who are still around in, in uh, Jaden Platts. And, uh, anybody up front that you invited to camp that's still there and, and looking like they are going to make a, a case for themselves? Well, Nikita Krivokrasov, he was played in Prince Albert for, uh, for a short period of time, Sergey's son. Uh, he's here in training camp competing for a spot. And we've got Edge Lambert, who's out of Grand Prairie, who was with Prince George and was released uh is in here on a tryout to, as well. And then uh, obviously Edmonton fans are aware of Nick Bowman, who played for Sherwood Park last year. We picked him up from uh, Kootenai Ice, and Nick's come in. He's in excellent shape. There's no question he's going to make our team. He scored close to 10 goals as a 16-year-old in Edmonton. 
he's going to have a very good WHL season this year, and it's nice to see him back in the league, back from uh, from Junior A. Uh, it is nice. Good, good for Nick. Um, all right, when we uh, look at the uh, the challenges uh, unique to your team this season, are there some uh, some things that you're preparing for that you can foresee? I mean, everybody has to deal with injuries, and you can't really plan on when those are going to happen. But outside of that, uh, what sort of challenges face uh, Tri City this season? Well, obviously, you know, you want to add more goal scoring. So, uh, you know, we had we lost some guys in Uremco and Acoin to put up some big numbers. So we hope that we can spread it out through our lineup and replace that. And and then depending on how we go with the overage situation, if we go with two forwards, uh, you know, we may have to look at our blue line. Is it is it at the level that we want it to be or do we need to carry an overage defenseman? So um, there's some moving parts there because we don't know the status of her, her break. Uh, we expect to have him back, but uh, he's a big man, played very well for us last year. He very well could turn pro, and if that happens, then uh, it opens up uh, options that we might uh, look at making changes on the back end. So, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. We just encourage our players not to read too much into the numbers and, and go out every day and work hard and, and uh, compete and let things fall into place. Bob, you mentioned earlier that there's a lot of 20-year-olds uh, available this year uh, around the league. So not just with your team, but from a GM's perspective at this point in the season, when you have to get down to the number and you're you're faced with trying to move a guy or when you trade him, is a draft pick good enough? Uh, do you hope to get a, a warm body back, a younger guy? Uh, or instead of outright just releasing a guy, what what's best return this year? And what do you expect returns to be? Because as you said, there's so many guys. Generally, at this time of year, it's a draft pick because the type of player you'd get back, people don't want to move their young players. Yeah. Uh, the, the other, if you're getting a body back, it's usually just a depth body. So generally, at this time of year, it's a draft pick. At the trade deadline, now that's a different story. It becomes usually a very good asset or, or a good young player. Uh, but you can't keep them past October 10th and hold on to them till the, yeah. till the trade deadline. They can in Ontario, which is interesting. It's funny how it goes from year to year. Like last year, there wasn't many. This year, there's an abundance of kids that should be in our league that aren't going to be in the league. And that's sad because a lot of them played three, four years in the league and they might get bumped out. And mm-hmm. next year is going to be a weak year for overages. There's not going to be enough. So it's, it's funny how that works. And it's too bad there wasn't a system where we could keep more of those kids in the league that have played, you know, two, three years and, and want to play their overage season. It's, uh, it changes from year to year. And that's, it's tough on those kids because they're, you know, they're still young men and they want to play hockey. And, you know, they played three years in the league and now this possibility might have to go to junior A, which is, which is, you know, not terrible, but, you know, not what they dreamed of. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I wonder if there's a solution to that. If there was ever discussion of uh, how to keep, uh, an old rage guy around. Yeah. Well, some of them go to Ontario and Quebec. Sometimes guys get a chance to get picked up there. And then I guess there's always possibility of USHL, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, um, it's, it's not a perfect situation. And then, you know, we're forced to make decisions fairly quickly, but that's, that's the situation we are when you have an overage limit. Uh, all right. Uh, Bob, we'll end it with uh, where you set the bar for uh, expectations this year. And, you know, last year the U.S. division was pretty good. Uh, pretty competitive. Uh, what are you expecting this season uh, for Tri-City? What would you consider to be a successful year for the Americans? Well, certainly we always have our expectations high. For some reason, everybody always underrates our team and our program. And, you know, two years ago, we thought we had a team close to a Memorial Cup 
a contender. We lost out to Everett in the league final. Everybody thought uh, the, the roof would fall in last year. Kelly Buckberger came in as a rookie coach. We lost nine guys to pro hockey. We had a, a very competitive team. We'll have a competitive team again. We have a good culture here and good work ethic. And I think we'll be underestimated again. Obviously, we always set our goals initially to make the playoffs no different than the NHL. And then once you're in the playoffs, all bets are off because uh, anybody can win. And just like two years ago, we went into the playoffs as a wild card, uh, played Kelowna, the first place team, beat them four straight, and then went on and beat Victoria four straight before we met Everett. So uh, the key is to um, get to the dance first. And then once you've got your partner chosen at the dance, uh, try to be successful. Well, it should be another fun year for the Americans. And uh, thankfully, it's that uh, every second year your club comes to Edmonton. And, uh, boy, the last time you guys rolled through Edmonton was that dominating team. And the Oil Kings were at the bottom of the of the cycle. And it was a very one-sided game uh, in your favor. Looking, uh, looking forward to seeing the Americans when they come through Edmonton this year. Bob, I really appreciate your time. Always a pleasure. And it's an afternoon game on Remembrance Day. So at Rogers Place will be a lot of fun. And, uh, the Oil Kings will have a pretty good solid team this year. So, uh, it'll be interesting right through the league. I think it's difficult to pick who the top teams are going to be. So mm-hmm. we just got to let it unfold and enjoy the hockey. We'll see you then, Bob. Yep. Thank you. There you have it, Bob Torrey, GM of the Tri-City Americans. Uh, and uh, remember the question of the day at the start of this episode was uh, the, what you predict the standings to be in the U.S. division. And most people who have responded have uh, said they have Tri-City as the last place team. Well, you heard Bob say everybody's underestimating our team. Uh, what do you think? Let me know uh, at TPS underscore Gee on Twitter. I actually think I might have Tri-City slipping into the playoffs, squeaking into the playoffs. But we'll see. We have other U.S. teams to hear from, including the one up next, the Seattle Thunderbirds. General Manager Bill LaForge joins me next here on the Pipeline Show. Behind the goal line, looking in front for Kolasar. Bring it to the slot, to the legs, Barzell. Watson, back hill shot, and he will score! Hi, this is Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds, and you are listening to the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time.